The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. This is the show that brings you a psychological perspective on common and current life issues. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Welcome. I'm Suzanne Phillips. Thanks for joining me again on Psych Up Live. And remember, you can be part of the conversation today by calling into 1 866 472 5788 with a question or a comment. Feel free. Today, our topic is passing on the gift of gratitude to our children. In a complex culture with nonstop invitations to do and have more, parents often wonder, how do you raise grateful kids? During the holiday times, it gets even more intense. I mean, who can really say it's not wonderful to see the look on a kid's face when they open a gift with that special doll, truck, video game, or the concert tickets they've been begging for. Should we stop giving? Will we spoil our children? How do we pass on the gift of gratitude? Answering this question and more, we're so fortunate to have Dr. Rebecca Hirschberg returning to Psych Up Live as our guest expert. Dr. Hirschberg is a clinical psychologist, child expert, and founder of Little House Cole Psychological Services. She's the author of the Temper Tantrum Survival Guide, which she discussed on an earlier show on Psych Up Live and which is available as a podcast everywhere. She has held leadership positions at a national nonprofit organization serving children and a hospital-based infant and toddler preventive mental health program. She taught in the Department of Pediatrics at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine. Dr. Hirschberg has been featured as a guest on many podcasts as well as WAMC Public Radio and Good Day Wake Up. She and her husband are the proud parents of two little boys. Dr. Rebecca Hirschberg, it is my pleasure to welcome you back to Psych Up Live. Thank you, Suzanne. It's a pleasure to be here. I much appreciate the invitation. Oh, you're welcome. So let's start out by defining gratitude. What are we essentially talking about? Gratitude is thankfulness um, and an appreciation, I think, for the things that we have or the things that are given to us or the non-things <laughs> that we have or are given to us. It's an appreciation for things that make us feel good, make us feel connected. Um, it's an now, emotional experience. <clears throat> are we inherently grateful? Are we born with gratitude? A grateful gene. So I, that I can't necessarily speak to technically. I'm not a geneticist, and I imagine there's actually been some really interesting been. research yes. with regard to genetics and gratitude. I will say that that for the most part, though, no, that actually gratitude, at least when it comes to you know psychology and and emotional and behavioral research, is thought of as almost a skill or a practice that can be developed over time. Mm. When you do read about the genetic studies, they say like empathy, we don't have, you know, we don't have that much evidence, but what we do want know one thing, that gratitude and empathy can be hijacked by fear, by problematic childhoods, and by the way parents act. So the parent role in really ex- helping a child express gratitude is a fairly big one. And they're actually very highly related, empathy and gratitude. Um, and there's a lot of, there's, there's research showing that the more that kids um, sort of are able to understand emotions, including empathy and, and take perspectives when they're younger, the, the more they're able to experience gratitude and the benefits of gratitude when they're older. So it's all, it's all interconnected. Hmm. Now, one of the things that you brought up when we started talking about the role of parents, and we're going to really uh, focus on that, is that parents might want to consider their own definition of gratitude and the messages from childhood. Tell us about that. 
I think that parents often, and I speak, I should say that I, in addition to doing what I do professionally, I am a mom of two young boys, and that informs my practice as well. But I think parents that I work with and certainly that I spend time with are often afraid that their kids are not grateful for all that they have, that they're entitled, that they're going to be spoiled. And I think many of us were raised in some ways with those messages. Um you know, I can't believe you don't appreciate all you have. And many of us, myself included, can remember having grandparents that lived through the Great Depression or the Holocaust or the World Wars, you know, sometime when things were much more scarce than they are today. And mm-hmm. so this idea that when we were growing up and, and I can date myself, I can say that I am 45, <laughs> um, it, there was this sense that somehow we were taking for granted all of our abundance and we were given messages that, that we were lacking in our gratitude. And I think there's a real fear that somehow we'll pass that on to our kids or that our kids will experience the same thing. And especially this time of year, as you mentioned, when, when parents are thinking about gifts and giving the concern is that their children will not appreciate those gestures or those material things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure. And the baby boomer generation was told endlessly, finish what's on your plate. There are starving children all over the world. And I remember cousins saying, how is this food affecting them? I mean, because if <laughs> using guilt and shame just doesn't do it. It perplexes children more than right. it does really expand the, the concept. So... How does it perplexes what, them and it can lead to get, I mean, it can lead to feeling guilty as well, which I think yes. is important. Um, yes. and, and that that can get in the way. If I'm not feeling grateful for everything, you know, I can't feel sad or I can't feel angry or I can't feel full in the case of food right, um, because right. I always need to be conscious of gratitude to such an extent that I can't actually have my emotional experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. At what age? Let's talk about little ones. Let's talk with let's talk about teaching children and where we start. At what age do you think little ones grasp the thank you concept or some aspect of gratitude? I think children grasp that they're supposed to say thank you way before they grasp what actual gratitude feels like. Right. So mm-hmm. Thank you. You know, starting when kids are two or, you know, verbal, um, parents are kind of drilling in often that say thank you, say thank you, or, you know, or they'll model it, you know, thank you. And kids understand that that's somehow Mm -hmm. something that happens when they get handed something, but they don't necessarily understand the feeling and experience of gratitude. And that's a really important distinction between feeling and experiencing gratitude and behaving in a way that perhaps communicates or shows gratitude because those are two different things. And but we should, the latter, uh, the behavior mm-hmm. or the verbal piece develops way before the emotional experience, which usually is thought to only develop around five, maybe four. So, so they may not understand it, but the actual thank you is a very good thing, but you correct me, to teach even when they're little or to model for them because it eventually starts to be, they start to grasp how it's paired with the feeling of gratitude or the recognition someone just did something for you that you brought you happiness or that you liked. Um, would you say that even we should do it, though, even with little ones? Yeah, I think there's a line, though, and I I think the line has to do with sort of how much we force it. Um, Okay. So modeling it, I think, is terrific, and and as it always is, and we can certainly talk more about modeling, and pairing it with a feeling, I think, is even more effective. So something Mm -hmm. like, you know, oh, thank you for handing me that. That'll be really helpful for me as, you know, thank you for handing me that spoon. That'll be really helpful when I cook. I really appreciate it. That sort of a thing. Okay, um, great. That's very yeah. different from, you know, say thank you. Say thank you to grandma. Grandma just handed you something. Say thank you. Say thank you. And and then your child is digging in their heels because kids at a certain age, you know, as soon as they want you, as soon as they know you want them to say something, <laughs> well, they're not going to say it. 
Um, the, the best story I have is, um, so, you know, the, the grandma hands the gift, and, of course, the parent says, and what do we say? And mystified, the kid, the little one says, please. So they they knew there right. was a word something, but they weren't sure which one. So they went with please rather than thank you. But so I hear, and I want our listeners to hear, it can't be some robot magical thank you, but when we use it and we expand on why we're saying it, it's really a gift. Exactly, exactly. And I think a point to tie in here is how important um, pausing and noticing is, how important that is to the experience of gratitude. So starting really early on, you can say things around your home like, um, wow, I'm sitting here and noticing how great it feels to all be having dinner after such a long day. I really notice how, how good that feels. I'm so grateful for that. Mm-hmm. And so really modeling the pausing and the noticing as much as as anything else when it comes to gratitude, because gratitude is an emotional experience. And I believe that we often lose sight of that when it comes to our kids. And so when you invite them to notice what it is we're being thankful for and to notice the feeling connected with that, we start to fill out the sense of gratitude with with things that eventually become part of their life experience because it's been the one we've shared with them. Right. Yeah, it's, it, I think it's such, in this busy culture, sometimes all it is going to take is rather than handing your dog to the neighbor and jumping in the call with the kids is to be able to say, you know, we have to thank Mrs. Jones for always watching Tigger when we go shopping. So they, so the extra moment to add why we're grateful um, becomes a part of the sort of the, the family and the personal story of gratitude. Right. And I would go one step further. I would okay. say, wow, I'm noticing how good it feels that we can always leave Tigger in such a safe place while we go shopping. Terrific. We have to thank Mrs. Jones because it feels so good. I'm so grateful for that. Great. So again, it's making sure that it's not just about that kind of, oh, we have to thank her, but we have to thank her because I'm stopping to notice how grateful I feel for this thing that she does to us and for us. So you're pairing the thank you with the rationale, but you're starting with the feeling that would that is engendered by this neighbor's action, and from that we go to the thank you. Really great. It's right, really- right, because parents are frequently saying, you know, how do, how do I get my child to feel gratitude? You know, my child is really good at saying thank you, but it feels robotic, as you said. You know, it feels mm-hmm. robotic or it feels empty. How do I... How do I get them to actually know there's a reason to be grateful or feel grateful? And that's all about that pause and that noticing what the feeling actually feels like. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about um, parents in front of their parents. Let's talk about the holidays <laughs> and the giving of gifts and what that stirs in people, because you mentioned that, and I, as soon as you did when we when we communicated, I thought, well, we're writing it now, and so let's talk about mm-hmm. how do we, how do we balance our own histories with continuing this ongoing kind of message to our children. I think there's a few things, and I think obviously it it matters, you know, how old kids are, certainly, but I think there's a there's a few important messages that that it's important for families to understand right now. Um, the first is that young kids, you know, even up to kind of seven, eight, my son is almost eight. He's in second grade. He's starting to learn about what money is now mm-hmm. in terms of the monetary value of things. Most of the time kids don't understand, especially if we're talking about three, four or five year olds, that things cost money. 
and what money is and the connection between working hard and making money, um, especially now in this kind of instant gratification culture we have. It's like, oh, well, you just get on the computer and you click a few buttons and then things show up at your house. That's sort <laughs> That's of a it. cool game, you know. And so there's this disconnect, you know, when parents want kids to understand this costs money, this has value. Where are your child? Where is your child developmentally? Can they even grasp what that means? Mm-hmm. Um, another really important message is that young kids aren't able to inhibit their authentic emotional reaction. And that's great if your child opens up a present in front of grandma and grandma happened to choose a fabulous gift. (laughs) It's not great if grandma happened to choose a gift that for whatever reason your child doesn't like because your child might burst into tears Mm -hmm. or might push it away and say, I hate this. Mm -hmm. And parents get really angry with their kids, I think, in part because they're embarrassed and ashamed in front of their own parents at that reaction. And that reaction is actually developmentally appropriate and typical. And so it's important to understand that the best thing you can do there is, well, there's a few things. One is you can kind of pregame with your child and talk about how you're going to this place and there's going to be presence and what does it feel like when you open something and it's not the thing you wanted and and to kind of I have a colleague who calls that um emotional uh um not vaccination but another word like that where you're you're kind of prepping and pre-gaming for Uh what that emotional experience might be like Mm -hmm. um And then the other thing is that, again, it's up to you to have the right words in that moment. So instead of kind of shaming your child for their reaction, to to kind of turn to your mom or to your in-law or whatever it is and say, you know, you know, oh, if, you know, if little Tommy could, could understand just how hard you work to pick that out and how much it maybe cost, I know that he would, that he would say thank you, even though it doesn't seem to be like what he was expecting today or what he liked Mm -hmm. today. And and for you to kind of repair that situation mm. without making it about your child having been bad in some way. We, we also know, I mean, I like that response, and I would add to it that given that we're dealing with adults who gave the gift, the other reality is that some little ones, I've seen it with my grandchildren, they're not too happy about it when they open it. Later, a day later, a week later, that's what they're playing with. They've, they have found it. So the other thing one can say is, you know, at some point, you might like this, and you could turn to the, the family and say, at another point, he might like it, but we thank you for the effort you, you, you put into finding it. But it's, our problem is the children's opening of the gifts, their reactions when they're little ones, can't be the testament to whether or not the adult picked the right gift. We just have to get past that. That's absolutely right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that completely. Um, it's what makes it. And also because a child may be a child may be cranky about it's maybe that the child suddenly realized they were hungry or it's just overstimulating. Right. There's all this wrapping and parents I've I've seen I've seen parents you know get upset when their kids just want to play with the wrapping paper, <laughs> you know, and they'll try to push the toy. No, look, this is the toy. This is the toy, and the child is like, no, no, no. This is the bow. This is the shiny, sparkly bow that I want to play with, and and letting our kids you know, play with the things that catch their attention without letting our own, again, embarrassment, shame, sense of proprietariness, I think is the word, um, you know, take over in that moment. Because again, when we are, and I think this came up on the tantrums episode, and whenever I talk about dynamics with kids and families, when our extended family is around, things get really complicated because of the triggers that come up for us. On that note, we're going to take our break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're here with Dr. Hirschberg, a clinical psychologist, child expert. She's the author of the Temper Tantrum Survival Guide. We're talking about how do we pass on the gift of gratitude to our children. We've been talking about little ones who barely understand the concept, but for whom we're giving them the infrastructure 
to be able to have a grateful life. And that's what we're going to try to model for them. Stay with us. Call in if you have a question. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Tune in every week for Making Action Happen, hosted by Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. The program takes you inside Action 22, a Colorado-based community outreach organization established in 1999. The show focuses on public policies, both politically driven or not, which have ongoing and immediate impact on the Colorado community and the world. It doesn't matter where you are, you can make action happen. Listen Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and 1 p.m. Mountain Time on Voice America Variety. What are the labels that identify us? Who are we, and how do we figure out our place in the world? Do we own our narrative? If you were to create your biography today, what would it say about you? Listen for Dropping In with host Diane Dewey, the author of the award-winning memoir, Fixing the Fates. Diane and her guests will give their version of finding themselves. Find out about your authenticity by dropping in every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania, and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance of success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Hi, folks. Welcome back. We're, we're talking about Passing on the gift of gratitude to our children. And in the last segment, Dr. Hirschberg and I, we were talking about little ones and expanding the concept, even when it's not so clear to them, but giving them sort of the infrastructure for it. Now let's talk about the teenage crowd, Rebecca, because this is the crowd that sees everything online, sees what their friends have, and I just did a blog on stuff, S-T-U-F-F in quotes, and Stuff for teens represent being part of the pack, having the right jacket, um, the older crowd want the car. But even if we go with the right clothes, the right earrings, uh, the right the right skateboard, how do we help develop gratitude in a teen that seems like they figure everything is coming to them? Yeah, so I think it's so interesting always to me the parallels between between teenagers and, and toddlers because <clears> both <throat> of their brains are going through this major, you know, pruning developmental process. And so you've got the moodiness and the intense reactivity and the narcissism and <laughs> there's right. a lot of similarities. And so and and so not surprisingly, you know, some of the strategies are actually the same and the the modeling gratitude. Um you know, being disarming with your teen, saying what you're grateful to them for, you know, no, you know, so something like, you know, I, I know that you, um, I know how much you love spending time with your friends and how meaningful that is for you. And yet you're having Friday night dinner with us tonight. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, mm-hmm. and just yep. showing them that you actually appreciate them. Instead of pointing out like, oh, you take everything for granted. Oh, you're such a, you know, a drag or, oh, you're, you know, you're, you're actually meeting them with the ways in which you feel gratitude toward them. That will, 
undoubtedly engender more gratitude toward you or toward the things in their life that you want them to be grateful for than any kind of shaming or, or scolding. It's a great example of what I often encourage couples to do is model what you want. Um, and in some ways, it doesn't create contention, but it, incidental learning is big, so people start to think of it. I like that idea of being, you know, when, when kids, teens too, who, as you say, are like toddlers, um, see grateful parents, they start to get the feeling. Even if a parent says at dinner, <clears throat> I was so grateful that I had a break and I got to walk through those leaves today. It was terrific. Now, you don't have to demand that they then share their day because they're going to roll their eyes. But in some ways, you offered some example of being mindful of things that a person could be grateful for. The other thing I think is that stuff really does matter at times. And the question becomes, if you not if the family doesn't have the money to buy the stuff, how do we approach it with kids? What, what do you suggest? You mean if you can't if you can't get whatever yeah. the, you know the hottest gift is right now or or whatever yeah. it is? I mean, I right. think how much you explain that to a child in terms of what the rationale behind that is really depends on the age, right? So mm-hmm. y- you are starting, let's say, you know, in middle school and high school, you're talking to your kids about your family's financial situation and and what it is and how it is and um and and you can give them some sort of logic behind what you're thinking, but. For littler kids, and even for also those kids, the middle schoolers and the high schoolers, you're allowing them to have simply the emotional experience of feeling disappointed or feeling jealous, right? It, it, and this is a theme for me that ties into the gratitude theme because gratitude, again, is an emotion. And in order to foster some emotions, we have to allow kind of all the emotions, and not shame our kids. And, mm-hmm. and, and rather than go to a place of, you know, I can't, you know, I can't believe you're upset that you're not getting, you know, the Gabby dollhouse when, um, you know, at least you have food to eat and some kids don't even have food to eat. That, that's going to shame your child for feeling a very natural emotion, which is, I want nice things. Right. Um, and so allowing your child to feel the disappointment, allowing your teenager to feel the disappointment, maybe the frustration, the anger, whatever it is, and then making space for, but what can we do? Right. You know, what, like, what, how, there's so many ways we can make this holiday special that aren't about the money. Let's brainstorm about what some of those things are. Or mm-hmm. let's give you some autonomy in that, right? So we have... Maybe you bring your child into the budgeting piece if they're older, you know, mm-hmm. a high schooler. This is the amount of money we've budgeted for gifts. What do you think? You know, are you mm-hmm. looking to have a one big gift or do you want to save it and save it for something? You, you know, do you want it to go toward you've been saving up for a car or do you want us to get you a surprise? Like give them some autonomy in that mm-hmm. um, can also go a long way with teenagers. Um, some parents following up on that validate that, you know, the skateboard they really, he really wanted, it's, it, it's disappointing that he can't have it now, but they go through, so let's figure out a way, how, how can, can you maybe, let's figure out what you could do to earn some money. Maybe you could throw in half and we could throw in a little, you think the neighbors want anybody to rake leaves? I mean, the other thing is to take seriously. Absolutely. You know, the wish and, and to expand on that. I want to go back to the shame piece I had a guest who was talking about the power of feedback, and and she's someone who consults for um, Amazon and Google on how to give employees feedback when it's not positive. And one of the things she said is when people have an interview and they're going to be told something, if you start with, you know, you're not doing that well this quarter, you've lost them. At that point, when you go into shame, be it um, a manager or a 15-year-old or a 10-year-old, they move into fight-flight. They have stopped cognitively grasping what you're saying because they're defending themselves on some level. So she gave loads of examples, and I think we can take something from that, where you start out saying, you know, I'm, I'm really liking the way something is going. 
She would say, I'm really liking the way you're handling your managers. We might say, I'm really liking, you know, the way you get to those basketball practices and fit the homework in. Now, I was wondering if you need some help with us trying to figure out the other thing. That is the whole point of, it's just what Rebecca is saying, leading with shame or guilt will never expand a child's gratitude, whether they're five or they're 15 or 35. So I think, you know, but then let's ask the other question. Sometimes the parent has been shamed. Sometimes they have a lot of pain around the holidays, that the holidays were always something which they were always disappointed, always felt overlooked. Some people have said to me, I was the last of five kids. I felt like I showed up at a party where the balloons were all down. So there was never much excitement over any of the holidays, much less gifts. So How do we help that kind of parent really try to do it differently or try to get joy through the next generation? It's a a really good question, and it becomes about, I think, empowering these these grown-ups to kind of live in in the present you know, rather than the past or the future. It's about, you know, to say we have, we, you know, Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever, it's a day or it's eight days. Like what do, what, what do we have? Where are our choices, right? Where's, where's the autonomy? We can choose to do this or we can choose to do that. What, and what's also, what do you want your kids to walk away feeling, right? That's often a really powerful question. I sometimes say, let's say your kid is going to be in therapy because <laughs> I'm a big fan of therapy and I think everyone should be in it. But let's say they're 25 years old and they're looking back on the holidays. What do you want them to say? You know, and, and maybe mm-hmm. there's a fantasy there. Well, you know, I want them to say that they got everything they wanted and it was just a blissful and joyful time and since that's not going to happen, just forget it. Now I feel even worse. Right. But it's sort of like, mm-hmm. okay, well, so let's, again, let's sit with that morning, right. Let's grieve. Let's grieve that when it comes to the holidays or your own childhood, there's still so much anger there and sadness. And let's take time to, to have those feelings because those feelings need space. And then I wonder if there's any space for allowing that your child might be able to look back on the holidays as a really peaceful time. Does that Mm. seem doable? Does that Mm. seem achievable? Mm. And a person might say, you know, yeah. And then you say, so how, how, if you were going to create peaceful holidays, what would that look like? It's almost like bite-sized chunks and recognizing that there is trauma. I mean, I think what you're describing is trauma, you know, and when there is trauma, we do immediately go back into fight or flight and our nervous system gets activated. And so it's having a conversation where we're able to be in the present and let at the same time, our, our child selves who experience that trauma have have their feelings mm-hmm. and validate those feelings. You know, I, I love what you're saying, and that really fits in with something you and I discussed, which was there's giving a kid a gift or a teen a gift, or there's being with them with the gift or playing with them with the gift. And that sometimes helps repair adults who have had harder ch- childhoods. Like I, I know one a grandfather who... He brings Legos every time to his little grandson, but then the little grandson sits on his lap and they do the Legos. So his grandfather never had Legos, but he has them now. And he has them with this little grandson. So sometimes Mm. there's almost a way to remember we're not spoiling. I mean, I think it answers two questions. I think throwing gifts at kids is a nightmare. I think giving gifts to children and being with them on it um, is a very different experience for the kids because they then get the interpersonal. But for parents who are trying to repair, it's particularly joyful to be able to play with dolls that you never had with granddaughters who can't wait to have you play with them. So that's the other window of repair, I think, that we could consider. Yeah, absolutely. And again, and to allow all the feelings that that come with that, because I think that that you can experience real joy um, playing, let's say, Legos with your grandson, and then you might, in the moment of it, have a pang of resentment or jealousy. And I work with parents who who feel so ashamed about that. How could I be mm. jealous of my own kid? 
Uh-huh. Um, okay. a lot a lot of a lot of parents are jealous of their own kids because they're working so hard to parent their kids differently that their kids are getting this really, really lovely and connected and warm, responsive childhood that they didn't have. Right. Um, and it's okay. Again, it's it's re- I mean it's why I love kind of without getting too jargony, but working with parts, which means, you know, for those listening, sort of recognizing there's a part of you that is that child. And there's mm-hmm. a part of you that's a grown-up that can hold that child. And so your child part may feel really jealous and resentful, but your grown-up self can comfort that child in part by getting the joy out of playing with the Legos or playing with the dolls. I think that's really powerful. Oh, it's such a good point. And I do think the jealousy piece is a natural feeling, and it does kick in, you know, when a, when a teen has the car you in a million years would never have had. And how do you reconcile it? And how can you how can you join with it? It's and and I love what you said. And how could your teen self take joy in it? True your child's joy. Right. Because otherwise your teen self, just to kind of bring it around to what we were talking about earlier, Suzanne, otherwise your teen self is the part of you that's gonna say, What, you're just gonna walk out of here and take the car and not thank me for cooking dinner? You know, I didn't even have a car when you, right? And, and, and that, because those are the, those kind of habits die hard and those emotions are still in us. And so if we can pause and notice, wow, I felt resentful of that, you know, and again, separate what's past, what's present. And instead, when our child is walking out without saying thank you for cooking dinner to say, hey, wait a second, I just wanted to thank you for sticking around for dinner. You know, I know you wanted to go out earlier with your friends and to meet them with gratitude instead of resentment, they will come back to you with gratitude. You know, when you just gave that example, having had boys and having had teenage boys in my house constantly, and they were always, thank you, Mrs. Phillips. Thank you, Mrs. Phillips. And I would think to myself, I just wonder how much they thank their parents because I wasn't, my my boys were not jumping all over thanking us, but my guess is they were thanking Mrs. Smith. So the other thing I think that's a reality is sometimes you may be taken aback or wonder why you're not hearing enough thank yous, but your child actually is is doing it outside the home. Now, sometimes, especially with boys, they don't want to get mushy, they don't, you know, there's that, that whole thing. But I think you sort of have to be patient and continue what, Rebecca, you spoke about at the very beginning, modeling it. I, lo- I mean, it, it is great when, when your example of thanks for having dinner with us or thanks, thanks for riding to the mall with me because I was worried about the tires. And I knew if you were with me, I would be safe if it's, you know, if it's a big t- teenage kid. Um, I think that they may not go, go all over the place, but they hear it. And I think they integrate it. So it's uh, it's a valuable one, but it's so interesting to, it was always so interesting to me how people were falling all over themselves thanking me. And I thought, really? How much are they doing at home? But, you know, that was back then. And it's really a good a good thing to kind of live the, live the gratitude, even, you know, in or in the home or outside of the home, but you may not always get it when you want it. We're going to take a break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're fortunate enough to be with Dr. Hirschberg, clinical psychologist, a return guest to Psych Up Live. And she's been talking about and really putting together all the different pieces to passing on the gift of gratitude to our children. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Listen for Go to Health Radio. 
featuring host Jonathan Marks and health experts from around the world who bring evidence-based education from Western, alternative, and holistic practices. We bring together you, seeking relevant and proven information for your healthcare needs and reputable healthcare experts and companies who offer quality education for your benefit. Monthly, we also share continuing education for medical professionals. Listen live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. Are you fully connected? We're all online in more ways than we can imagine. Our business, our family, our health, and our money are all part of the cyber-connected world, and it's getting more frightening every day. On My Connected Life, host Tyler Cohen-Wood takes you into the exciting world of cyber and shows you what you need to know right now to keep your cyber-connected life safe and your data within your control. Get all the information, the news you need to know, and a lot of fun and surprises. Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back. Um, Dr. Hershberg and I were just talking about a phenomenon that as parents we could sometimes to get, get into, which is making almost too much of a big deal of how grateful a kid should be. Um, I'll I'll just give it with a teen example. Do you know how lucky you are to have a new car? Do you you really understand what this means? Um, And Rebecca, what your example is a good one. Yeah, I mean, I was talking about a family I worked with where where there was a little girl who was in a very you know expensive and prestigious private school, and the parents kept wanting her to recognize the privilege in that. And so it was like, don't, you know, every time she didn't want to go to school or every time she didn't want to do her homework, you know, don't, don't you know how lucky you are to go to this school? And there, it, it gets really, so first of all, in the teenage example that you just gave, Suzanne, you're never going to have a teenager look back at you and be like, why, well, yes, I do. Thanks for asking. <laughs> because <laughs> implicit in the question is actually an accusation. You're not saying, do you know? You're saying, I feel like you don't know. And right, so then you're right. going into that place that you were talking about before, which is the shaming place. And you end up with kids who, who really start to confuse having privilege and, and having good fortune um, with feeling really guilty about that, that somehow that's their fault, that that's coupled with that feeling of guilt and shame. And what we want to mm-hmm. do if we want to raise kids who, who, aren't necessarily burdened with with guilt or anxiety is is to show them how you can experience tremendous good fortune, privilege, abundance, whatever you want to name it, while also feeling grateful and potentially and hopefully giving back to the community without it crossing the line into there's something wrong with this. I did something wrong to be here in this position. Yeah, I love the give back example, and I have never seen, um, I I do a camp of military children in the summer, I've never seen teen volunteers not love being there and helping. Um, I I can think of parents who didn't have such an easy time. There was quite a bit of money, but they, on the holidays, would go give gifts to the burn unit, or people would work at food pantries, and... That's a really nice balance to a family or kids who are given a lot is to be able to know that you can give back. And it's probably it's startling to them how grateful people are. That's very true in nursing homes. Of course, now it's not so easy with COVID. But kids, when they go often are are so startled at how grateful people are that they brought their puppy or whatever it is. So that's another aspect of teaching the gift of gratitude. The other thing we wanted to mention is 
Rebecca, let's talk about some of the actual activities that parents can engage in. And even if little ones don't quite get it, eventually they will. Um, like the table and do uh, you want to speak about that a little? Sure, sure. I mean, certainly, you know, going around at the table and talking about, you know, something that each person feels grateful for during the day. Um, not turning it into a power struggle. I mean, again, there's always this fine line. You get to your eight-year-old and your eight-year-old says, you know, nothing. <laughs> you know, you yeah. must have felt grateful for something. I meant, you know, <laughs> just let it go, you know. But just, again, to model this is something we do at the end of each day. We think about a moment during the day or an experience, ideally not a thing, right? Because, again, we want to model that gratitude is not just about material items um, for which we felt grateful, Um you can have a jar, a gratitude jar, um, where, you know, you have an old mason jar or something like that, and people in a family write down things when they feel gratitude. They write that down, and they and they put that in the jar, and then maybe once a week, once a month, whatever it is, you kind of dump the jar out, and you read everybody's moments of gratitude. That can be a really beautiful tradition. Um, um. They, people have gratitude. People have gratitude trees, but you know one that I really came across that I really like because so many people have pets and are walking them are gratitude walks. So lots of times, if I'm out running, I'll see, um, and if I'm dog sitting, I'm walking a dog. And you can, if you're with children too, um, you could say, let's find things along the way that we are grateful for in terms of how they look or. Um, or what they make us feel, or things that they remind us of. So there's loads of opportunities to informally transfer to children the idea of gratitude. When we look at the research, we know that people who can be grateful and think about something to be grateful for each morning, each night, they really, that's a resilience. It's a resilience physically and psychologically. So when we talk about helping our children give back, um, talk about gratitude, we're really also fostering physical and emotional health. Absolutely. It's, it's resilience, it's confidence, it's linked to, to all that stuff to all that stuff but and physically as well i think they've linked gratitude you know people that experience more gratitude have lower blood pressure um it's it's pretty amazing and i think they they don't necessarily know the pathway um although they think that a lot of it has to do with social connectedness that when we feel grateful we feel more connected to other people and there's loads of research suggesting that you know when that we are social animals and when we're socially engaged and connected we're healthier um I just wanted to say that about the giving back, you know, this is the time of year when a lot of people are also to the extent that they can and their families giving to, to charities and, and philanthropic causes. And that can be tied to gratitude as well. So I know that one thing we do in our family um, is talk about kind of what are the things we feel most grateful for? And then can we find an organization that supports that? So, um, for example, we're really grateful for, you know, nature and outdoor experiences. And so let's give some money to the nature center that's near us. My kids are really grateful for the music lessons they're getting. They love their music lessons. Let's look on the computer and see if there's somewhere we could give some money toward people who wouldn't necessarily get music lessons. And so we gave to an organization that, you know, provides music education in schools that wouldn't have it. So you can kind of really focus with your kids on their experiences of gratitude in their day-to-day life and then tie that directly to how can we give that to other people who may not be able to have that. So that's a great idea. It's a lovely thought and a lovely message. It, just to follow up with that, like everything else we do, you can focus on, and this is about passing on gratitude to your children. I think that it's worth knowing our children never take our, our their eyes off us on some level. They know when we're depressed. They know when we're happy. They know when we're sick. So the other thing is, if you feel like, I just don't know where to start with the kids, start with you. Start with a gratitude journal. Start with a gratitude walk. The more you focus on that as part of your lifestyle, the more it's going to hap- just informally slip out. When you say, I was just, this was the greatest thing that happened on the walk. 
we came across another poodle. And I was so grateful that Molly finally saw another poodle. I mean, it could be anything, but it'll become a mindset. If it becomes more of a mindset for the parents, Rebecca, my thought is that it'll just become even a more natural way of sharing it. And children in the end know and often do what we do. So I think that that's another very important step. Absolutely. It becomes kind of a, a lifestyle in a sense. Um, it's just yes. part of a way of being in the world as opposed to something. And that's why in some ways people talk about the practice of gratitude because much like the practice of anything else, a new exercise, a language that you're learning, the more you practice it, the more it becomes this intrinsic natural thing that, that is more fluent, if you will. Mm-hmm. So if you were to give our listeners a take-home message on how do we pass on the gift of gratitude to our children, what would you like to share? A take-home message. Um, I think, the, the again, the most important thing would be that gratitude, that we can foster gratitude by, by helping our kids, and this may be by modeling slow down and notice the experience of feeling grateful, that gratitude is a feeling and that we foster it in our kids by allowing them to pause and notice it and practice noticing it as they grow older. Like you've said it, it's so important, you've said it a few times, that what's the feeling when someone gave you this or what was the feeling when someone helped you with that and to tie that then to gratitude which is the reciprocal feeling exactly I think we miss that very much and that noticing so built into your take home I love it is noticing the feeling that warrants a thank you right Right, I love putting it that way, right, noticing yeah. the feeling that warrants thank you, exactly. Yeah, it's great. Um, Rebecca, I want to thank you for joining us again on Psych Up Live and for passing on your expertise in, in, in a lovely way with so many wonderful examples. Your little boys are very lucky. So thank you again, and I'm sure we'll, we'll be back on talking to you on another topic very soon. I would love that. This is always a pleasure. Thank you, Suzanne. Okay, thanks. I want to thank my listeners. Remember, you can hear this and any prior show as a podcast by 6 p.m. tonight on my host site, my website, and just about every podcast platform, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple, Amazon, Psych Up Live is there, and all of the prior shows are there. So please take a look at those platforms for any show, including Rebecca's other show on the Temper Tantrum Guide. Until next week, I want you to know that you could always send a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. For now, let me, let me say happy holidays to those who are celebrating Hanukkah. Please be safe. Thanks and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, be well and be listening.